Ranch Radio. And in the studio today, we have a special guest. We have Steve Boyd on board with us, and he's going to talk about comics and speculating with Tony the Collector. And of course, we have Kathy here, and we have Brennan and myself, Jody, and remotely, we've got our two fellas, uh, Hank and Craig, and we'll uh, tune in with them in a little bit. But first up, we have Brennan, and Brennan wants to talk about the Midsommar soundtrack. Take it away, sir. Yes, so this summer, this summer, a movie called Midsummer that came out Midsummer uh, by Ari Aster was a pretty divisive movie. Some people were big fans of it, and some people weren't. I went and saw it recently last week, and as I was listening to it, I actually started to become obsessed with the soundtrack. Um, as I was listening to it, how it fit in with the uh, with the movie um, and the kind of sounds and things that he was making. So, the Midsummer soundtrack is an original soundtrack by Bobby Krlick. I don't know how to say it. K R L I C. I apologize if, if my Swedish isn't that good. Also known as the Haxon Cloak. Um, and he's an occult-inspired UK electronic producer who's worked with people such as Bjork, Father John, Misty, and Serpent with Feet. So when Ari Aster was actually writing the screenplay for Midsummer, he was listening to Hacks and Cloak's 2013 record, um, Excavation. So he intended the music to be an influential part of the album, and so was inspired by the sounds of Hacks and Cloak while he made the screenplay. The music generally is this combination between sort of ritualistic drones and chants, um, a lot of electronic produced sounds mixed with very specifically composed string parts. Um, there's, ver- there's actually no percussion except for one song, which it reminds me of like the Psycho soundtrack. That was something that was Ooh, done on purpose. Yeah. All the intensity was done with the strings. Um, and there wasn't, I think there wasn't even brass. I should double check that. So this one's the same kind of way. It's electronics mixed with Nordic instruments and strings. Um, now the vocal parts of the movie are, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I apologize, uh, diegetic music, which is music that's actually written to be sourced or heard by the characters in the movie. So it's part of the story. So for example, when they are singing the songs, they of course know they're singing the songs, right? And so he composed those songs as well. So there is a combination of vocal songs as well as the music. What I found interesting when I was listening to the soundtrack was that none of the vocal songs were on the soundtrack, which I thought was weird. Why would you not? They even made their own language, their own Nordic-inspired language for the songs, but they're not on the soundtrack. And then what I realized was that the actors singing those songs in the soundtrack, that music exists in the film, not in the soundtrack that's put on top of the film. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's a very meta kind of thing that the music that they can't hear because we hear it in the movie is not on the soundtrack because it's not the music they created, which I thought was very clever. Um, it's very ambient. It has this really cool uh, combination of angelic droning. Sometimes it gets very, very intense, and other times um, it's also very, very peaceful. This is the, I like to work to instrumental music, freeform jazz, that type of thing. This is, the kind of mu- this is the kind of record I would sit down and either just listen to on the couch and just let the experience take me away, or I would sit down and do some writing and, and work with it. So like how the Dark Knight Hans Zimmer soundtrack was the one that you would do on a late night highway road trip. This one is good for doing some inspirational writing, doing some sitting, 
or just letting the experience take you away. Again, contemporary sounding, right? This isn't an easy soundtrack all the way through, uh, but how it goes so well from angelic to dark to crazy back to gentle again, it's really quite, it's quite brilliant. So mm-hmm. if you're a fan of that kind of music, some strings electronic, check it out. Do you have a favorite track? Uh, the I do, and I, the the house that Hagar not Hagar Hagra built. I apologize for pronouncing that wrong. That's probably my favorite one on, on the whole record. It's a great combination of being very soothing, but also very well crafted. Ooh, okay. Well, if time permits in the show, uh, maybe we can finish things off at the end of the episode and play a little sample just Sounds to good. give everyone a little taste of that. Okay, awesome. Well, um, we're going to throw things over to Hank and Craig now and their take on what's happening in pop culture news. Thanks, Jody, Craig, and Hank here. You can find us on social media at Craig Siliphant and at Hank and Kelso. Uh, we are here to talk about things in pop culture that we're thinking about this week. Take it away. Oh, I'm going to talk about some things. And also, you can find Punch Radio and Punch TV at PunchYXE. Oh, very good. And for the people out there, that's an airport code. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that's that's the airport we have here, I think, the YXE. So uh, this week, I did a lot of hanging out with uh, with the family a little bit. Nice. So uh, my wife and I, we finished Mindhunter. I think you mentioned that last week, Mindhunter Season 2. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, my son and I, we finished reading The Witches by Roald Dahl, my second favorite Roald Dahl book, <laughs> behind the BFG, which they screwed up the movie, but that's okay. And... You're never going to believe this because when you look at me, you think like, you're listening to like hard music all the time. But no, no. My daughter and I have been listening to the new Taylor Swift album. Interesting. Taylor Swift nonstop since Friday. Taylor how's that? Swift. You are know, you the, slowly going insane? Uh, or are you, you know, uh, I think it's uh, getting a little faster now. The insanity's uh, getting there. But to be honest, uh, I, I'm giving it a score of 78. Uh, some typical Taylor, some new Taylor, some vintage Taylor. So a bunch of lyrical filler in there. Like if she could just change some of the lyrics, just kind of make them more her age, it would be okay. But overall... You know what? Actually, it is one of her best albums. Interesting. I actually heard a couple tracks off it. It's not really something I'd be prone to listen to. No, normally. me neither. But pretty good. Uh, and I, yeah, I didn't mind it. Uh, it's it's funny with her though. Like there are some pop acts that I really like. Like some, somebody like Lord is mm-hmm. is really good. Uh, for some reason though, I just never get the like. There's nothing wrong with Taylor Swift, but I just don't. I just don't understand the love for her. Sometimes it just it's very and middle of the of road. Like to me. insanity. Well, all of her fans are insane. Well, so. that's true. I wouldn't say this on Twitter. I'd be dog. That's why. But the... everybody listening, it's a really good album. Yeah. Again, it's one of her best. <laughs> I listen to them all. Like we listen to Taylor all the time. But I also listen to the new King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard right. album. Which, if you don't know, they're Australian. It's like garage prog, psychedelic, acid experimental rock. Yeah. Uh, they've released 15 albums or EPs, I guess, most of them. Uh, since 2012, they've gone online to like bet against other bands, like how many releases can we put out? And they're all good. You yeah. would think after all of that, they would all, but this one actually, I think, is their best. I'm giving it a 91. So go to your streaming devices now. They're doing the Spotify, the Apple Music, King Gizzard, and the Wizard Wizard. Yes, I actually, uh, I was just listening to them recently because CFCR program director Jay Allen uh, just actually came back from uh, Toronto seeing them live. So He saw them live? He saw oh them live, God. yeah. So I haven't talked to him about it yet, but uh, he was excited. He was talking my about daughter it is went. not in the car. I'm in the car with King Gizzard. Nice. Yeah, uh, pretty good. Okay, but let's talk about new shows. Have you watched on HBO or Crave in Canada 
the righteous gemstones. No, I have I have the first episode waiting for me, and I'm going to check it out, but uh, I haven't watched it yet. Do, do okay. tell. Okay, so it, and I quote from IMDb to start with, okay, it follows a world-famous televangelist family with a long tradition of deviance, greed, and charitable work. <laughs> Although in the first two episodes that have aired so far, there's no charitable work, charitable work but um, it's everything I expect from a show written and directed, produced by Danny McBride, who also stars as one as the, uh, of the Gemstone Sons, along right. with Adam Devine from Workaholics. Right, he's a funny guy. Who plays a character just like he would in Workaholics. And uh, their sister, Edie uh, Patterson from Vice Principals and The Last OG, uh, John Goodman plays the all-powerful head of the family now. His kind of storyline to start with is because they run these mega churches and they've got private jets and all, and they're just rich. They all have huge mansions and cars and everything. He is uh, wanting to open a new church in this smaller town where there's already churches. So now he wants to run them out of business. So there's kind of some conflict there. So he's like the Walmart of churches. He is. He is the Walmart of churches. And then, of course, Danny McBride and his buddies went to like a a Coke-fueled sex party. And somebody took a video of it, and now they're trying to blackmail him. And that's where the end of the second episode, a little bit of a, there's a little bit of twist in there. And they're like, ooh, now I'm going to keep watching. Interesting. Yeah, keep I can't watching, wait to But John Goodman is so good. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, uh, I think I've said this to you before. Like, I will, I will watch pretty much anything HBO puts out. I may not stick with it if it's mm-hmm. just not up my alley, but... Uh, 99.9% of the time, like, if HBO is making a show, it's going to be, you know, a quality show. It is, uh, yeah, like, so far, two episodes in. I'm going to keep watching. Have you heard of a show called Becoming a God in Central Florida? No. Stars Kirsten. Is that a Kirsten Dunst? Oh. Or is it Kirsten? 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 I'm going to say Kirsten. Kirsten, Kirsten, Dunst. Kirsten. K. Dunst is Kirsten. in it. She's in it. Uh, Crystal Stubbs who's the smart one, is living paycheck to paycheck with her baby, who's the cute one, and her husband, the gullible one, who's been brainwashed to think he will become a billionaire, selling paper towels and toilet paper and soap from the bottom of a multi-billion dollar pyramid scheme. Right. So and it's so, kind of about pyramid yes, schemes Yes, and then? it's really That's like, a it, it's a little over the top, but it's, um, I'm going to watch the second episodes available now. And where Again, is it? it's a Showtime, but on Crave in Canada. Right. Um, but her husband is played by, uh, what's his name, uh, Eric Northman from True Blood. Um, Stars Skarsgård. Oh, Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Um, is that the son? No, sorry, Alex Skarsgård. Yeah. Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, Stellan's the dad, yeah. But uh, but it's set in the um, I think around mid '80s. But he's got an awesome like mullet and like really bad suits with with his tie tied too short and everything. It's like there's no more sookie, 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 sookie. There's no more of that. But yeah, so and, and even that was and, Bill actually. <laughs> oh, was it? That was the other guy. <laughs> I thought they were all like sookie. Well, they kind of were. Running around yeah. about sookie, sookie. Um, so, uh, word has it that there's a, uh, is it a Star Wars trailer that you're, uh, people are getting a little worked up about? Maybe? Yeah, so, it was the D23 footage of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I will say, like, I I watched it a couple times, actually, and 80, 85% of it isn't, is like old footage from old Star Wars movies. Obviously trying to kind of build up a little story in the trailer, which is interesting and a different approach than they do with trailers these days but to me it was like not that thrilling of a trailer uh however i think it blew people's minds because there was a little shot of a red double saber wielding dark ray where as in like ray may have turned to the dark side and so <gasps> people are like not my ray exactly is it a vision a clone a, a, a dream a ghost dream you know what's going on really now 
for me, it was like, hey, uh, sure. That's when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's uh, to me, it's probably a dream. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Ray doesn't go to the bad side. It might be interesting. And we know J.J. Abrams has a habit of like kind of trying to pull the wool over our eyes before we get to see mm-hmm. the movie, which I appreciate. And it's fun to have these kinds of conversations, so I don't want to poop all over it. But just to me, the thing that struck me the most about all of this was just the depth that some people just like have to grab onto this thing and not let go and like just talk endlessly and incessantly about just that moment even like what could be happening with this uh, and it's like you see accounts that uh, are tweet like all day about it and it's like okay it's a trailer right we well, don't even know if that scene's even going to be in the movie right exactly it's like they they just way overthink this stuff and that, that's just a level of like believe me i've been a i'm a, been a star wars fan since i was three years old i'm a big star wars fan i still liked solo and like i'm not you know what i mean i'm sure there's people that are star bigger wars, yes. star wars fans than me but it's like and if you run say a star wars fan account then fine i guess i don't know but i don't know to me it just seems like a lot of overkill and a lot of sucking the fun out of it. I just want to like I I don't even like to see the trailers to be honest because it gives away too much, but I'm also compelled to see them, so I have to. But uh I just want to go see the movie and have fun and not necessarily uh, sure we might pick it apart afterwards, but picking it apart at the trailer stage and getting all when you mad don't even about know it. And, what is, yeah, oh my god. Yeah, it's it's goofy. It's a, it's a goofy part of stop ruining the internet's people. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's what I have to say about that. What what did you think about that trailer? Um, I didn't even realize it was going to be a big deal. I watched it and went, "Oh, well, that's neat." Yeah. And that's really yeah. all I thought because yeah. I'm like, I want to see the movie, so I can't wait for the movie. Yeah. But most of the time, trailers um, now um, they'll show too much, and that's why here right. they just show one key little thing, <gasps> and that's all everybody has to latch on. You're like, calm down. Like the new um, key, uh, trailer for uh, Midway, directed by Roland Emmerich. You know the guy like 10,000 BC. Oh and, yeah, I'm yeah, like uh, with what Independence Day yeah. and like oh my god. So he's directing a World War II movie, and as everybody knows, I'm a big World War II military history buff, and so I see he is taking on Midway and go, hmm, I can't wait for the raw raw America that you know we fact check the script in a dark room yeah. like yay <laughs> so they're already i'm like well now i don't want to see the movie and they gave the whole movie away right like all the cool and everything yeah they tell you like, too much on. in the trailers now Come uh on. the only other things i have been doing this week really is i finished the dave sedaris book theft by finding uh Ooh. 1977 to 2002 so this book is interesting because it's you know it's really funny if you like dave sedaris and his 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 humor and his writing uh but it's also a little feels like a little bit of a cash grab because what it is is it's his diary entries edited obviously from 1907 to 2002 uh, 1977 to 2002 so it just feels a little bit like oh i had this diary lying around i can just edit that and put out a book you know what i mean I uh, some, some of the money. earlier stuff is better um, I also have been reading, we were talking about Mindhunter, uh, Mindhunter Inside the FBI's Elite Serial Crime, Crime Unit, the 1995 nonfiction book by retired no. FBI agent John Douglas uh, that the show yes. was based on. It's I went to buy it on Kindle. It was $20. <laughs> So they, I downloaded it from I, uh, I books or whatever it yeah, is. I haven't started reading it yet, but the they price. jacked up the yeah, price. Yeah, a bunch yeah. of goons. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to read this, but it better be the best book I ever read. And I got it, I'm got. i a little further in now, but I was 25% of the way into it, and like nothing has happened with any. It's just like this poorly written 
guy telling his life story about eventually like he becomes an FBI agent and stuff but it, it was like yeah so maybe I should have waited for you to tell me about it before I went and spent all my money yeah, buying exactly. the book it's getting uh, a little more interesting now that I'm a little further into it but anyway uh, we are out of time so we gotta throw it back to Jody in the studio there and uh, there you go uh, take it away Jody Hey, thanks, Craig. Um, here right now, I'm with my good friend and collector, Steve Boyd. Steve, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Well, I came, uh, I came to the conclusion that uh, I'm getting, uh, I'm running out of comics at my store. Certain issues of uh, certain comics are, are 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 selling fast on Wednesday mornings. That's not my fault. That's not your fault. But it is happening, and I was wondering, are speculators back? I can't really speak to speculators because if they find out that I'm talking about them, then I'll be kicked out of all the speculating groups that I'm part of. No, I'm kidding, actually. Before we go on, as someone who is not a speculator, how would you define a comic speculator in the art of speculating? The dark art of speculating. The dark art of comic speculation. Okay, so this is the seedy underbelly of comic book collecting, unfortunately. So speculators are people that essentially go online, look for hot tips on different things that's going on in the comic book industry. Maybe, you know, uh, maybe Batman's nude in an issue. Yes. You never know. So, uh, so what happens are speculators will go and, and buy up all those copies of that book and then sell them for uh, an additional price to make some extra money on the so, side. So basically then there's people out there I've seen, uh, I don't know if they're websites so much or podcasts that people will grab the, the newest comics and they'll be like, this is the hot one, this is the hot one, this is the hot one, and they'll tell people what to buy. And then these people will, uh, will think that they're going to make a lot of money on these comics, so they'll flip them on eBay right away if they can. And sometimes they, they obviously make money and sometimes they don't. Um, and there's long-term speculators who will buy books and hold on to them for a long period of time. Here's the, the thing. This actually killed the comic industry back in the 90s. <laughs> this was a huge thing where people are coming in, buying the death of Superman, buying like 50, 100 copies of it because they were going to turn over and they're going to you know, put their kids through college. Yeah, well, that, that's essentially when you had all these other publishers starting like Valiant and Image and, and these guys. Uh, yeah, people were going to the comic shop thinking they were going to buy, you know, put their kids through college on Superman 75s when they killed him. Uh, and that's obviously not the case, you know, as many Beanie Baby collectors will probably attest to. There was a lot yeah. of uh, stores that actually closed when that actually happened because there were so many people that were buying comics that stores kept opening and opening. And then uh, as that happened, stores were just closing. As, as people realized they weren't going to be able to flip their comics and make money, stores started to, to close because people weren't buying as many comics. Well, the I have a story about Superman 75, though. I just remembered Go that. If I can. Okay, so when I was uh, this, I, I've owned a comic shop too. I've been a retailer and I'm a collector now. I don't really consider myself a full-blown speculator. I, if anything, I'm a long-term one. But anyway, going back to the story, Superman 75, when the, the day that it came out in comic book shops, there was a, a comic shop in the town that had it and they didn't put them out on the shelf. Everybody had went to go get those books and the comic shop had marked them up to a premium. I want to say like maybe $20 on the day uh, on release date. So somebody's going to end up making money. The, it would, it should be the retailer that makes the money, but once it goes in the hands of the collector, you know, at that point, uh, it's supply and demand, it's free market, right? I think that's kind of, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm also a speculator in a lot of things, but I'm more of a speculator, um, in the toy industry, in the toy market, because I think that there's a better uh, a better value in toys than, yeah. than new comics. Uh, I buy a lot of new comics, but I'm not buying them to flip them. 
Um, and because of the whole, like you were saying about the, the Superman, the death of Superman, Superman 75, if stores are doing that, I think that's kind of wrong. Uh, but then again, I don't, we don't do that, but I know that people do that and they'll flip them and I don't know. Yeah, collecting should, collecting should be about the long game. You know, if you're in it for money, then you can buy them and flip them quickly if you want. But there's better ways to make money. There are better ways comics. to make money. Yeah, yeah. there are. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my, my follow-up question. As a speculator, if you want to buy them and flip them, can you actually flip them at a reasonable amount of time with enough of a profit that you can make it worthwhile? Maybe I'm just showing my lack of knowledge, but I feel like if you're, if that's your retirement plan is to flip comics, would there not be a better way of doing it? I don't I, know if it would be a retire, a good plan for retirement. I think but, it's just extra yeah. money in people's pockets. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of people that they, if they walk into a comic store and they're buying five of that comic, I know that, you know, they're buying that to, to flip it. You know, there's probably a lot of hoarders out there that maybe do buy five of one copy. I don't know any. <laughs> maybe me but anyway yeah no but if you actually are you know you're buying five copies your, your chances are you're going to flip it the downside is this the downside is um it's bad for business at, the, at a store level because you know wednesday morning someone comes in and buys all my copies so then the 20 people that come in that would normally buy that copy off the shelf no longer get that comic uh and because of that then you have you know customers that aren't getting it and those people are the ones that usually will go on ebay and pay more money for that comic mm. so the retailer does get his money out of that comic but at the same time then the guy who's normally buying it for cover price is now paying an extra ten dollars or fifteen dollars which is a lot of money if you if you miss a lot of comics and every week every week there's at least two or three comics that speculators are coming in trying to get wow i, yeah. I didn't actually realize how common it was yeah and yeah. it's it's usually an underprinted book which means that they shops kind of it flew under their radar they didn't order a lot of the books you know you don't really see a lot of Superman 75 scenarios these days. It's more of a death of a character or a, a, a character's going to appear in a movie or something that you see. That That's the big, that's the and big money. Yeah, like new characters are, are a big one. And uh, and as a, you know, as I'm ordering, I don't really know these things either. So it'll, it'll hit me in the, you know, Wednesday morning, I'll start putting books out and people are buying this book. I'm like, oh, what have I missed? And then it's like, you know, Captain Marvel has a new character in her book. And it's, to me, it's kind of like, well, I didn't, you know, they don't tell me about it. I don't know about it. And then, of course, the speculators grab the first three copies that are on the shelf. And then, you know, we're out and everyone's wondering where they are. It's, it's kind of something that I don't think will ever go away. I think that if there's people out there that are listening, they're speculators. I think, you know, you should give everyone a chance to buy their books. Everyone should have a chance yes. to buy their books. I, I think you're a horrible person. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with making money off your comic collect. My boss tells me that I'm not a collector. He said he thinks I'm a speculator. But since I've moved to Canada, I don't really sell a lot of my comics. I, I don't. I, I kind of uh, sit on. But I'm not buying five or six copies of a of a book either. I've never really thought of you as a heavy speculator in comics. No. I so, thank you. Yeah. I I'm yeah. thank you for that. I, I don't think so. I know. I know. I know a lot of the speculators in the city that are coming in, and uh, they're the guys that are listening to the podcast, and they're coming in, and they don't know anything about comics. And they just think they're gonna like get rich off of it. So. I think that if you're going to buy something, it's like a car, you buy an expensive car that you know you're going to have a retail value that you're going to maybe sell it for more the next year uh, or the year after. If you're going to buy like a, an inexpensive car, then chances are you're just buying it to, to drive and get around. So it's yeah. like anything else. You so I'm, I'm not sure if, if, if the two of you can comment on this. Is Has speculating increased at all just because of the internet and it's easier to shop online? Uh, has that caused an increase in speculation or has it just always sort of been like this undercurrent of the comic community? All that. 
I think all that. Ditto. Yeah. yeah. Yes exactly. and yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. The it's it's big business now. Yeah. You know, especially since the movies, you know, the Marvel movies are being very successful and stuff, and you have people who are just in it, unfortunately, for money. Sad to say. You know, but uh, you should always you read your comics, man. Don't just get comics. in it for don't just get right. in it for for money. Yeah. You know, it's that's not good. It uh, it's it's. I just hope it doesn't get to the point where you know stores are are selling so many comics and then the speculators drop out. Cause that's and that's the biggest fear I think of any comic store is like your sales go up, your sales go up, and then all of a sudden no one's buying comics because all the speculators drop out and it, they lose their worth. Well, and the industry is feeding itself on yes. that. I, next week. Spawn 300 yes, hits, it does. and it has 20 covers, 20 variant covers. Oh, maybe. That's wow. it? Only something 20? Like Come on, do they? So, I, it's something like that, yeah. yeah. How many are you getting? Uh, all of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll get two them all. of each. I'll get them all. Are you getting yeah, two no, of each? I, nice. well, no, because you probably, no, uh, you probably I, didn't order enough. I ordered lots. I Did ordered you? lots because I think it's going to be a big seller, yes. Well, I, let me, I have to ask you about this because yes. this was on my, this was the one thing I was going to ask you about if we were talking about speculation. So I heard that they're ending the Marvel Star Wars title. They're oh, ending it. I did not know that. Really? No, I did not know that. See, did you see that reaction? I, I did. did. I did. That was amazing, right? I did not. I might so, have to go pick up a few issues of that there one. There you go. Right now. That, so that's my question: Are you going to buy extra copies because of that, or the last issue? They're going to reboot it, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, will I buy more? No, I don't think I would buy more. No. Really? Like, no, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I buy Star Wars to read. I'm not really a huge collector of the. Uh, the other universes in Star Wars, other than the movies, I just kind of read them, and yeah, so. So I'd no, I wouldn't buy more. No. I'm looking in your eyes. I don't believe you. <laughs> you can don't come to the, you. you can come to the store on Wednesday. I will purchase one, and then I will. Yes, you'll see. I think it's because of the new Star Wars movie that's coming out. Why? Oh, so they're canceling the title? Kinda, yeah, oh. and they're going to reboot it at some point. Oh, I didn't later know that. On, yeah. Oh. So there no, you go. I I probably won't. I I will say that I buy multiple copies on some comics uh, because they have the stupid variant covers. Mm-hmm. So they'll have like two covers of the same comic, and I'll buy both for whatever reason. It's, it's well because that I'll buy. if there's five covers, yeah. you you if there and you get them all, then yeah. one of them is going to be a good one. Yeah, but right? but I'm not reselling them. I just have to have them because so, well, yeah, you're a collector. I'm a collector. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but if if someone came along and offered you the right amount of money for one of your books. And um, it left a big gaping hole in your collection. I mean, would you sell it? No, no. I don't think I could. Really? No. no. He wouldn't Kathy sell it, knows, huh? No, no. No? It's hard. No, I've never sold any of my books. I'm not. I, I don't buy to sell. I buy to collect and hoard. I'm a hoarder, Steve. <laughs> I hoard stuff. <laughs> I, if I buy ten or something, it's because I need it for Is my Is this floor. why he was trying to rent space for me for his uh, for his uh the sail barges and the things that he has, <laughs> or whatever. Oh, I did, I oh, did, did I bring up this? Wait, wait. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, coming out today on Fight Radio. This is this is getting me in trouble. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I'm not much of a. I don't resell stuff. I never have. I don't know. I don't even know how I would feel about reselling any of my stuff. And see, as a collector, I'm the same way. I just buy things I like, and if one day it's worth something, then later on I have the option if I want to sell it. Um, and I've never thought of selling it, but the last few cons I've been to, I've seen comics that are on display. And I think, oh, I have that one. I have that one. Is that what it's worth now? And then it sort of puts it in the back of my head because I don't want to give it up, but then I know people are looking for those issues and what's better for me to hold on to it or let people finish their collections. So I get way better deals when I buy stuff from people because they know I don't sell. So I can go into um, the people that are selling stuff will sell things to me and they're not like, oh, he's just going to turn around and resell, charge him double. 
uh, I'll go in and people will be like, hey, Tony, and they know I don't resell stuff and they know I'm a collector uh, and they'll, they'll give me better deals for whatever reason. For whatever reason. All right. Well, thank you so much for that great conversation on speculation. Please collect your comics and keep them and love them and cherish them. This <laughs> is Punch Radio. On <laughs>